Welcome to the Estate Planning Made Simple podcast by LSPN, one of the nation's largest and best estate planning networks. The information provided on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. All information, content, and materials available on this podcast are for general information purposes only. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody uh, joining us today for this week's podcast uh, related to estate planning. Today, we're talking about international planning. And, you know, one of the, the things that comes up fairly frequently when we have these conversations is individuals will have property, maybe real estate, maybe, uh, you know, savings, maybe business interests in other countries. And they say, well, you know, if I'm going to do my estate plan, then how do I make sure that uh, what I have in India or China or, you know, we had a client just the other day that we were talking with and she has property in Malta and in Australia and in China and in the United States. And so the question is, if I do my estate plan here in the U.S., will it address everything I need for all of those countries? And so the first thing that I want to talk about is related to the jurisdiction, or in other words, the law that's going to control for whatever property or whatever um, belongings that you have. The thing to remember is there's two types of property. There's what we call uh, fixed, you know, real property, and and that's property that can't be moved, right? And so it's uh, it's something that has a fixed location, and it's um, and it's subject to the the jurisdiction of the location where it's located. And then there. Are Tangible assets could include bank accounts. They could include, you know, cars and vehicles and cash. Uh, they could even include business interests and, you know, other assets like that. Because tangible property or movable property can, uh, you can subject that property to different jurisdictions based on how it's owned. So instead of where it's located determining the law that's, uh, that's going to apply to it, the owner of the property and their location is what's going to determine the law that's applied to it. So because of that, um, you know, a lot of times when we sit down and we look at situations, international planning, okay, well, what kind of property is it that exists? And how do we address it based on the value and based on the account in Europe, uh, maybe a, you know, a Swiss bank account, right? You, you can put that bank account inside of a U.S. trust or a U.S. company and have it owned by a U.S.-based entity. And now it's not subject to Swiss law as much as it's subject to U.S. law because the ownership of the entity has now uh, put it into the U.S., right? But if you have a, a real estate property, like a home or a villa or something like that in Europe, you can't do it with real estate. And so we have to you know, comply with the law of the location where that property is actually located. So that's one of the, the very basic, basic principles that applies to international planning. And when we sit down and we look at you know, the assets that a client owns and where those assets are located and what's going to uh, determined as they try to uh, make decisions for their estate planning over those assets, we need to consider, okay, can this property be sited in the United States? Or if it cannot be cited in the United States, then the second question is, is there a treaty that the United States has with that particular country, which would allow a U.S.-based estate plan or U.S.-based documents to be recognized? So, you know, in the international space, every country has different laws, different rules. 
But the, the treaties that countries establish between each other really determine the question of what can be done and what cannot be done in relation to citizens of a different country. So, for example, if, if you have property in, uh, in Mexico, a lot of states in Mexico have chosen in their, in their state laws, they basically have said that if you pass away outside of the country, outside of the country of Mexico, then wherever you end up dying, that's the jurisdiction that's going to control the distribution of your estate. What does that mean? It means that if you have a Mexican will or a Mexican trust, it may not be effective as to your property for distribution of your estate if you die outside of Mexico. You may still have to have a will or a trust in the United States, for example, if you if you die in the United States. So we need to, you know, we need to consider the law of the jurisdiction of where the property is located. And then we need to consider if there are treaties between countries that allow for the documents of another country to be recognized. There is uh, an international will treaty, and there's 30, I think, 32 or 34 signatory states. And so all of these different countries have basically signed on to say, uh, if you have a will that complies with certain requirements, then that will will be recognized in each of these countries. Other countries may decide to uh, also follow an international will or an international document that complies with the Unidroid International Will Treaty. They don't have to if, they, if they're not signatory states. But one of the things to remember is that if you show up in court, right, in, in the United States, it's a process that we call probate. But there's an equivalent process in every country where the court determines how things will be divided, how things will be distributed after somebody's passing away. And if you go through that process, the court wants to have guidance. They don't want to operate in a vacuum. They don't want to have something that, that ends up in an unfair or, or in an um, inequitable situation. So they would rather have something to follow like a will or an estate plan. And if you have one in another country or if you have a document that's compliant with an international treaty, it's likely that they're going to follow it if they can. If they cannot, it may still be persuasive evidence. Uh, they, they won't have to follow it 100%, but it may still be persuasive, right? And so, again, every single country is different. Every country has different guidelines, different rules. And depending on, you know, how and especially from court to court, how they decide to uh, apply those rules is going to determine what ends up happening. So if you happen to have international property and you want to make sure that that property is going to be addressed in the most correct way and that will actually follow what your desires are, the best thing to do is to have a, the best thing to do is to have a plan in every country where you own real estate and then make sure that those documents are going to coordinate properly between each other. One of the things that we see often is that people will do documents and then they don't realize that those documents may have inadvertently or by accident may have canceled out the documents that they did previously in another state. So, for example, we have a client. Uh, she's from Peru. Uh, she had done a uh, power of attorney for her husband while, while they were down in Peru. He had signed it, gotten it notarized. And then later, he did another power of attorney in the United States. Well, she thought that the Peruvian power of attorney would still be in effect. The United States power of attorney said 
that it canceled and terminated any other power of attorney that was previously done. So therefore, the Peruvian power of attorney, even though it's under the laws of another country, was revoked. It's no longer valid, right? And so she had to get another one in order to properly address the situation. So one of the things to remember is that if you're doing international planning, you need to work with a professional that understands how to properly coordinate your documents from country to country and to make sure that those things are are properly being addressed so that you don't inadvertently or by accident cause problems with the planning that you've already done or or with the future planning that you're going to do. So again, you know, one of the, the most common things that we find is that when we have And by the way, the world is becoming a lot more uh, connected, right? There are a lot of clients now that we we end up talking with that have property in multiple countries. There's a lot of clients that also have um, citizenship in multiple countries. And, you know, even though you may have children that may have a dual citizenship or may have rights or maybe they have property that, that should be theirs in another country, they might not know anything about that country. They might not have any experience living there. They might not even speak the language. They probably don't know very much about the customs or the legal procedures in that country. And so, as a you know, as a parent, as somebody who you know is familiar with with the country where you own property, it is best to make sure that things are in place and that things can be. Um, properly planned before you're gone, because it can be a nightmare for your children if you don't. And even worse, more likely is that they might not even, uh, you know, make the attempt to claim that property and then it'll be lost. So uh, with that, we're going to open it up for some questions. I don't know if anybody who's in attendance has any questions that you can um, put here in the chat or you can raise your hand and maybe we can uh, call on you. I have a question. Um, I have um, a cousin that has, um, they were originally from Los Angeles and they moved to Costa Rica. Um, He and his wife, and they do have a, I believe she's 21. They have a 21-year-old daughter that lives here in the States. Now, do they have to set up uh, things also uh, in Costa Rica and here in the United States in case something should happen that, that, that their daughter can have access to their property there in Costa Rica? Yeah, to, to the extent that they have real estate in Costa Rica, yes. they would have a, a proper plan in Costa Rica, yeah. Okay. And they can talk with you all um, uh, about that? I can uh, refer them to... Um, Sure, sure. So we, we can okay. assist with uh, consultations for any international okay. situation. If we don't have counsel to assist with, you know, local planning in a particular mm-hmm. country, then uh, we, we'll let you know and, and we can, you know, point you in the right direction. But often we can actually find counsel to work with in, in that country and coordinate everything on an international basis for you. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for coming. Any other questions? Um, One of the common questions that we always get is, uh, you know, how difficult it is to go through probate in another country. And most of the time, 
uh, it really depends on the country, but most of the time, the difficulty uh, is in knowing what to do and how to do it, especially for the you know family members that might not be um, familiar with the laws of, of the country. But a lot of countries are actually a lot more uh, easy to go through a, a probate process than the United States. The United States is a, a very formal country in terms of you know, legal documents and legal procedures. Um, other countries are a lot less formal, and the law of intestacy in most countries is very intuitive, right? Which means that if you have no plan, if you have no will or trust, the, the default might be what you want anyway. And in the United States, the default has a very formal process called probate that you have to go through. But in other countries, the default could be a very simple process. For example, I have a lot of clients that tell me about how the process works in India. In India, it's more or less automatic that everything, you know, your property will pass to your kids or to your spouse when you pass away without even having to have a, a will. Um, it's, it's a very smooth transition. Some countries are a lot harder. The United States is a very formal country, right? European nations tend to be more similar to the United States type processes. Uh, so it just depends on where the country or where the property is located. All right. Well, we, we appreciate everybody joining in today. As always, we're handling these podcasts on a weekly basis on Thursdays. Uh, you know, join us next week. We'll be starting our uh, topics all over again. And then uh, these are being recorded and, and we'll be sharing it on YouTube and on various podcasting channels. And we, again, thank you for tuning in and we'll look forward to working with you soon. This has been Estate Planning Made Simple, a podcast by LSPN. Join us next week on Clubhouse and on all major podcasting platforms.